Hey, this is Bishop Justin on Affinity Extra, where we do extraordinary things. Thank you for being on Rock Solid. We are making a special homage. Homage. Do you know what that is? Anyway, I am uh, honoring uh, Malcolm X. Malcolm. Malcolm, our wonderful, great hero. Why am I honoring Malcolm, you may say? Because uh, the inspiration of Malcolm uh, transformed my understanding of my cultural perspective and my spiritual perspective as well. I've got other heroes that I lean on. I lean on the three M's, Malcolm, Martin, and Marcus. Yes, I lean on the three of them when I begin to discover my cultural base of where I can go as a black man to find dignity and to find respect you know when we talk about Malcolm Malcolm was inspiring in many ways I say to you that when I went into Bible college and when I started to study people said to me well what did you study yes we studied lots of theologies we studied uh, Old Testament theology New Testament theology we studied uh, Old Testament survey New Testament survey the doctrine of God we studied homiletics, hermeneutics, exegesis. We studied uh, church history. We studied Pentecostal church history, early church history, medieval church history. We went into the, um, 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 the introduction to the sociology of religion. We did the psychology of religion. Can I go on? Can I continue? We did assignments. We wrote assignments. But the biggest thing that awoke on me to think about who I am before God was a strange way. I just, I just began to read the autobiography of, 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 of Malcolm. X. And I, I, yes, I did. And I, and I read the autobiography of Martin Luther King. He will always be my number one inspiration for my ministry and theology and everything that I do. He's not a saint. He's a human being. That's why I love him. And um, they are full of mistakes, just like me and you. So why I think about the three M's. So I'm going to do the first M, which is Malcolm. Because Malcolm's life for me was a, a, a revelation of change. Malcolm also was a challenger of the present status quo and he and he was a and he was a masculine challenger as well many of the texts that i read were so limp-wristed they were so weak in their reflection but malcolm's reflection on culture and history and the, the reason why we hate ourselves the reason why we hate our hair who told you to hate your hair he said who told you to hate your skin who told you to hate your brother he began to dissect i call him the prosecutor because he prosecuted white supremacy he prosecuted white brutality and he met it with <laughs> an equal force and all of the time that i tried to understand my theology it was always the turning the other cheek it was always the reflection of let them brutalize you because it's righteous to be brutalized and so just as today there were modern questions being asked in liberation and black theology about whether we are in love with suffering whether we are lifting suffering to be the thing and we are not questioning why we are so in love with suffering and poverty and believe that this is our ticket into the kingdom of God and so that is our challenge also that Malcolm was not prepared to live with suffering now you may say to yourself was he entirely against uh, uh, Dr. King 
in his early writings and his early speeches, because of the influence of, um, of um, Elijah Muhammad, yes, he was very, very strongly influenced to speak against the weakness, so-called at the time, of the Christian perspective. He did not like the way our Dr. King was talking about um, um, no separation, but integration. And he was talking about how can you integrate with the one who is committing so much crimes against you? How can you integrate with something that does not love you? You have to start loving yourself before you integrate with somebody else. And so he was focused really on the empowerment of African people wherever they were. And that's why he got support in the church as well as the mosque that he was uh, in, his, in his final days conversing about the universal empowerment of Africans not only to feel a sense of pride about who they are but to reflect upon their future together and it was about them being able to build a financial structure them to be able to build an economic uh, force uh, they were also to be able to build a cultural force as well to start recognizing that all the images around you are not necessarily the true images uh, Malcolm said that Malcolm said that one it says the future belongs to those who prepare for it the future belongs to those who prepare for it and that was a very big challenge for us to say are we preparing for the future and I read that quote and I read some of the text where I was reflecting so I looked at a book uh, which is Dr. James Cone I love Dr. James Cone he's one of my senior um, um, theologians that I lean into for clarity and understanding of theology from my perspective and he wrote a book called Martin and Malcolm uh, and, and America and that's what he wrote and um, the subtopic behind this is a dream or a nightmare and in the beginning of the book he talks about um, the dream or the nightmare he talks about the latter days of Dr. King and Malcolm X being able to meet get a meeting point where they understood that the things that they spoke about in the past needed to be reflected adjusted and recalibrated for Dr. King this was his dream uh, of this integrated society had now uh, turned into a nightmare because every uh, 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 force that was speaking uh, for integration was being pushed back by the forces that were speaking for separation through e economics, through uh, uh, just plain bigotry and prejudice and financial muscles. And that's why Dr. King shared a speech that nobody listens to. And that speech is, where do we go from here? And Dr. King started to speak more like Malcolm. And so in their final days, Malcolm and Martin were coming closer together. Why? Because Dr. King had seen that his dream had become a nightmare. Because white supremacist structures were not prepared to give up their grounds to share power they wanted a subservient class and that subservient class was going to be African Americans they didn't mind them being free they didn't mind them having a vote but they were going to be in a particular place in the underclass they must stay in the underclass they they were not going to be equal and so when you look at the two as they came together sometimes uh, Malcolm would turn up at a king's speech and he said to Coretta he said, and, and Coretta asked him 
him, why is he here to cause trouble? And he said, no, I'm not here to cause trouble. I'm just here to give them the alternative that if they don't listen to the reverend, they have to listen to me. And so in the midst of this, you find this rising of Stokey Carmichael as well in the midst of this as well and the Black Power movement. So um, um, I, I think that when I, I, I reflect upon Malcolm, Malcolm gives us an understanding of not just black pride. I don't, I don't like to say black pride, but I say black cultural awakening, black cultural awakening. And when you look at how Malcolm suffered, when they said to him, when he said he wanted to be a lawyer, the, the teacher said to him, Malcolm, ends, I won't say the N-word on this station because we're trying to be politically correct and we don't want nobody to come down and censor it. Anyway, he said, Malcolm, ends don't become lawyers. You need to think lower. You need to put your ambitions lower. From that, this discouraged Malcolm and Malcolm fell away from education and then flowed into crime. And in his crime spree, he was called Red. And he was called that, and he was just that bad boy. He was a bad boy. That's why people feared him uh, because of his historical elements. Having then converted in prison to Islam, he came out and became a powerful minister and a temple builder. All of that went pear-shaped when Dr. King, when, when Malcolm realized that the thing that he was following was not in perfection. And then he became globally aware. And this is what I love about Malcolm. He became globally aware of the cultural perspectives of one where he comes from and how his religion culturally moved around the world. And so going on his, on his, um, on, on his travels, he went to Mecca and he went to on a Hajj. After he came back on his Hajj, he planted a different movement that was collective, that was supportive of Dr. King. It is so sad and I suppose ironic that in that time then he was assassinated. And the 21st of February is the commemorative day of his assassination that we should remember him. But I think that I would like to remember his birthday more than his death. But I want to commemorate his death on the 21st. So uh, this is some of the words that uh, Malcolm said. It is a crime. It is a crime. The lie that has been told to generations of black men and black women. Little innocent black children born of parents who believed that their race had no history. Little black children seeing before that they could talk uh, that their parents considered that they could hear their parents consider themselves as inferior innocent black children growing up living out their lives dying of old age and all their lives ashamed of being black but the truth is pouring out of the bag now and so that's what Dr. That's what um, I, I like to call him, Dr. Dr. Malcolm, but I'll say Malcolm X. That's what Malcolm X is saying. And I, 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 I just wanted to register that quote in your heart. Um, so um, so he, he says this as well. He says, who else but a controlling emotional devil so blinded American white intelligence that it couldn't foresee that millions of black slaves freed then permitted even limited education would one day arise up as a 
terrifying monster within white America's midst, midst. and that is uh, um, uh, from the autobiography of Malcolm X. And I think that now we even see this conversation uh, between ourselves uh, to reflect upon the truth of what Malcolm is saying, that even now we see this arising way before um, George Floyd's death, way before uh, Tamir Rice's death, way before those wicked deaths that were caught on camera. Amir, uh, Amir Aubrey, I'll remember the name very soon. Um, so um, all of these deaths that were, that were on camera, and sometimes there's so many that you forget their names. This is how bad it is. And we look at them and we, and we have to accept that these are the norms for where those people are. But it is still unacceptable. When we think about, we, we have a, a smaller names, but they are still significant. Stephen Lawrence's death was a brutal, wicked, racist murder in view of humanity. And yet... It almost went unchallenged by the national caucus of our church. And even now, we don't even say to ourselves, okay then, uh, call Baron Lawrence. Let's have a memorial reflection as black church on Stephen Lawrence's life. Let's raise a million pounds and give it to the Stephen Lawrence Foundation. Let's put something in place. We saw that and there was no bigger outcry. It's almost like it landed and disappeared. And then afterwards, when the inquiry began to happen, then we began to respond. Malcolm was talking about us by every means necessary. By any means necessary. The Apostle Paul talks about by any means necessary that I may save my own. I'm talking about us by every means necessary. We must now empower ourselves that our children do not suffer the same racist structures that we suffered in school, we suffered in the health service, we suffered in the workplace. Our children must not experience that. And Malcolm showed me, he showed me this. That if you are going to, and, and, and Martin showed me the same thing, that if you're going to bend, the monkey will be on your back. But if you stand up straight, nothing can stay on your back. And we must now stand up straight. I'm going to reflect on something that James Cohn says. And James Cohn says this. He says, brothers and sisters, the white man has brainwashed us black people to fasten our gaze upon a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white Jesus. We were worshipping a Jesus that doesn't even look like us. Oh yes, he said, just this, this blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white man has taught you and me to worship this white Jesus. To shout, to sing and pray to this white man's God. And the white man has taught us to shout and sing and pray until we die and wait for death and wait for our heavenly dream in the thereafter where the streets are paved with gold 
And so that's what Dr. King, uh, um, Malcolm says to us in reflecting on the way how we have been conditioned to see everything righteous as white and everything unrighteous as black. So here what we go to now, we go to the, yes, there has been that brainwashing structure. But through our sacrificial prophets, Dr. King, we look at Frederick Douglass, we look at Marcus Garvey, we now have a door opening that says to us now, we can now embrace other cultures, other ethnicities on the basis of equal acceptance. We are not going to fall into the foolish trap of supremacy because that is what Malcolm fell into in his early days and he had to fight his way out of it. But at the same time, he had to point out iniquity. Yes? And so we now have to embrace all people who want to lift themselves and lift us and empower us and move forwards into equal footing. And so that is the challenge that we have. Whether we are a black church or a white church or an Indian church or a Pakistani church, it doesn't make no difference. Everyone must acknowledge each other's suffering and repent of the actions that we have made to make others feel small. And if it's an institution, the institution must now find a way of reconciling and uh, make sure that there is uh, 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 some sort of uh, um, reconciliation that creates harmony and sometimes reconciliation has to be more than words reconciliation must now move to the conversation of remuneration if you like yes it might need financial um, 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 situations occurring and, and you say where do you get that from bishop I, I love the stories that Jesus, I love the stories that the text leaves with us to make us understand what reconciliation is. <laughs> when Zacchaeus got truly converted, he says, "Everybody you have robbed, I'm going to give back their money, and I'm going to give them compensation back again." That is the definition. So yeah, so uh, Andrew, while you're giving out that 12 million, um, you need to also just dig into a little bit more and start with your giving back that money. <laughs> wherever you got it from so today we say thank you malcolm for opening our eyes to not only having pride or having a, a great reflection of where we come from uh, but with malcolm giving us a dream that would now combat the nightmare and the dream is that we as a people would rise and through the, the challenges of our day, we would know that this is the time for us to use the intellectual, spiritual and emotional capacity that we have today and rise to a new hope that we have in God and in our tenaciousness, our tenaciousness as a people to rise always through the thick, through the thin, through the trouble, through the strife and through the difficult times in the valleys, but the valley always comes before the mountain. So stay blessed and by every means necessary, we will overcome. God bless you. 
What's going on, people? I'm DJ H. Make sure you check out all the stuff Affinity Extra's got going on, man. We've got loads of content, loads of things coming out. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the channel, you know. Make, listen, listen. Don't go anywhere, you know. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Subscribe is the main thing. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Like it and share it with your brethren, yeah? 